Support for this podcast comes from ODC Dance. The world-class company returns for Dance Downtown, March 27th through the 31st, with two electrifying programs and five works, springing from cartoon, the news, and human connection. ODC.dance slash downtown. Support for KQED Podcasts comes from Star One Credit Union, now offering real-time money movement with instant pay. Make transfers and payments instantly between financial institutions, online or through Star One's mobile app. Star One Credit Union, in your best interest. From KQED. From KQED in San Francisco, I'm Alexis Madrigal. Zan Zendegi Azadi. Women, life, freedom. That's been the rallying cry of protesters in Iran since the death of a 22-year-old Kurdish-Iranian woman, Masa Amini, while she was in the hands of the country's morality police. Her death reignited protests against the regime and its repression of women. Women have torn off their veils, a demand for human rights, women, life, freedom. There have been other waves of protests, but many observers say these feel different from 2019 or 2015 or 2009. Hope and fear are growing. Women, life, freedom. Could it be different this time? The young people in the streets seem to think so. Welcome to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Protests continue in Iran. Today, we're going to talk with members of the Bay Area community to provide context for the situation. These histories are longer than any media moment. The dimensions of the situation span the Iranian diaspora, which is not monolithic. There are important distinctions between generations, between those born here and in Iran, between those who've arrived recently and those who've been building their lives here for years, between the religious and the secular. We hope to illuminate the protests abroad and their links to our neighbors here in our cities around the Bay. But joining us first, we go live to Iran. We're joined by a 27-year-old political science student. We're not using her name for her safety. Welcome to Forum. Thank you so much for joining us. Hello, everyone. Uh, thank you. I'm so glad um, that I'm joining you. And uh, excuse me for my English, because when I got excited, I can't talk very well. <laughs> you sound I'm great. I'm excited right now. <laughs> Um, tell us, what's it been like in the streets where you are? Uh, well, not just the streets. Um, I think everything about this movement and protests are uh, pretty new. I mean, I've, I've never felt this way in the, uh, in the past uh, protests and past uh, movements. Uh, it was always... Um, like um, some uh, very small group people. But now we are all out, and um, I can see religious people, as you said, uh, and secular. I can see everybody who are protesting, men and women together. And uh, that makes me feel that maybe uh, this could be um, the new hope for us. Um, Maybe this could be the end of this tyranny. Hmm. So it sounds like... The emotion that's winning right now is not fear, but optimism about what could happen. Yes, of course. Of course. Yeah. So when you see these protests and you see women and men protesting together, mm-hmm. is that how it began in the protests that you've seen? Or did you see women leading protests and men join? Or how, how has it actually played out? 
not really. I think uh, we were both protesting at the same time. I mean, yes, uh, most of the women were the leaders. Um, they were shouting at the first, but uh, men and women were together uh, from the very first time. So talk to me about the relationship between protests that are happening on the ground, people in the streets, mm-hmm. and what's happening online in social media as you can access it in Iran. Uh, well, um, I um, I hear from uh, most of the people in the streets that uh, it's fine uh, by us that uh, maybe some people uh, can't come to streets, that it's fine. Um, I don't know, there are some of them are mothers, fathers, they have toddlers, it's fine, uh, so they can just go online and um, use hashtags and uh, these uh, kind of, you know, uh, help and um, I think we are all um, finding our own unique ways to fight against the regime. And um, for example, some business owners uh, that they are produce, producing uh, head scarves, uh, they said that we are not going to produce mm-hmm. any head scarves again. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I think everybody is finding a way for itself to. Um, fight against the regime. It's not just uh, one way. Yeah. Have the protests you felt safe or are you worried about violence and a crackdown by the regime? I was horrified. I mean, it was really, really scary. Uh, but, you know, when I saw the bravery, especially from the young women, younger women than, uh, than me, for example, um, I don't know, 17, 18 years old, I was like, yeah, maybe we can do this. They are doing it. <laughs> so we can go to, um, yeah, I think uh, their bravery affected on me. Um, but still, I'm a little afraid when I go to the streets. Mm-hmm. Do you worry about your family? Are they or are they also involved in the protests? Uh, one of them is uh, involved. And yes, I'm very worried about them. Mm-hmm. And um even my friends, sometimes uh, they check our social media, you know, the police. And um, I, I told all of my friends, if they arrested me, please uh, delete all my messages. What do you think is going to happen next? Does it feel like the protests are gaining momentum still? Mm-hmm. Um, you know what? Maybe this protest won't, um, will not, you know, win for like next um, week or, I don't know, next month. But I think uh, there is a new spirit in this movement. There is a new spirit in our people. And maybe it will take a year for us to change the regime. But uh, I'm sure that uh, we will continue fighting um, sometimes not just by going to the streets, sometimes just by um, remove our headscarves, you know. Uh, so we are going to fight. We are going to continue. Um, but maybe you won't see us uh, in the streets again or something like that. But I'm sure that this spirit uh, continues in our uh, souls, in our lives, of course. Uh, because, you know, fighting against regime is, um, is a daily uh, thing in Iran. Every day when, we, when I'm going out, I had to put something that I don't really like to put it on. And uh, that's a fight for me. 
Mm-hmm. You know, the the chant that we've been hearing, Zan Zendige Azadi, and I apologize mm-hmm. for my Farsi, to much, much worse than your <laughs> English. Um, what does that mean to you? Like, what, is, what, what does that chant mean to you? Uh, well, first of all, uh, that chant was uh, in Kurdistan province in Iran, and it was in Kurdish language, Jen Jian Azadi. And then in Iran, in Tehran, we shouted that uh, in Farsi, Zan Zendegi Azadi. And you know what? All of a sudden, uh, because um, I don't know how to express myself about this, but um, all these years, uh, the government was telling us that uh, Kurdish people, they, they want to, I don't know, they don't like us, they want to, uh, are, some of them are terrorists or something like that. And when we were all fighting for same reason, for the same thing, uh, it felt very, very, um, I don't know how to describe my, and describe my feeling. So at first it wasn't about the chant, it was about that uh, mm-hmm. we... Uh, translated the Kurdish ta- chant to uh, Persian. And, and then I hear that some people in Italy and France translated into their language and chanted again. So uh, I realized that this is uh, something universal that can um, connect us together. And um, now I hear from uh, Kurdish people in Syria that they are chanting this uh, and I, I now um, I can see that this is a chance for not just me, for not just my country, for every country in the Middle East, because all of the women in the Middle East uh, needs a new life, needs a new uh, way of life, needs uh, freedom. What do you want from the outside world? You know, like what do you want from? people in the diaspora in the United States or just you know, mm-hmm. how, how can people help you fight for your human rights? Uh, well, as I told you before, um, I think everybody can uh, fight in their own ways. And um, so um, I, th- I, th- I think everybody can uh, think about this and find a way, find a unique way. Um, but I think uh, the very best way to help us is to reach out to your uh, senators or representatives in parliament, I don't know, whatever you have, and uh, ask them to um, don't uh, ask them uh, to put pressure on our uh, government. Uh, while we were, um, while we were uh, protesting in the streets, uh, President Emmanuel Macron from France had a meeting with our president, and that was really offensive to us. Mm. So I ask everybody in the West to please put uh, pressure on your, um, I don't know, any politician that you can reach out. And that, that's a very, very good way. And also you can um, share our um, videos, share our voices. Uh, sometimes we don't have uh, internet, internet, and that's a very, very good way to help us. What kind of government, you're a political science student, what kind of government would you like to see replace the current regime in, regime in Iran? Uh, a secular government with no religious strings and, um, yeah, democratic and secular government. Yeah. 
We're talking about the protests in Iran with a student joining us by phone from Iran. We're not using her name to protect her safety. We want to hear from you. Are you part of the Iranian community in the Bay Area? How are you and your loved ones doing? How closely are you following the situation? You can give us a call at 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, we're KQED Forum. And the email is forum at kqed.org. So what are your hopes for the next several months in Iran? I hope that um, people continue fighting. I hope that... uh, when I go to streets, I can see the people. I can see uh, their face impressions has been changed. You know, uh, I want them to support us, uh, support girls, because uh, I mostly want to go out without headscarves. And uh, if um, morality police want to arrest me, I uh, expect people to help me and don't let them to arrest me. Um, yeah, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Have you seen people uh, being arrested or, or being kept from being arrested? Uh, not personally, but um, like a month ago, my mother <laughs> was kind of near to arresting. Mm. Wow. We, again, are talking about the protests in Iran with a student joining us by phone from Iran. We're not using her name to protect her safety, and she's going to stick around for the rest of the show we'd love to hear from you are you part of the iranian community in the bay area give us a call the number is 866-733-6786 i'm alexis madrigal stay tuned for more forum right after this break This is Barbara Leslie, president of the Oakland Port Commission. Oakland International Airport, OAK, is proud to bring you this podcast of KQED's Forum. When you're choosing your next adventure, the smart and convenient choice is to fly the East Bay Way from OAK to destinations across the USA and Mexico. And when you return home, tune in to KQED, always bringing us remarkable stories about who we are and where we live. Enjoy today's episode of Forum. I'm what you might call very good at hide-and-seek. And since we got Xfinity, we have Wi-Fi all over the house, even in my super-secret hiding spots. So I can kill time in here by streaming my favorite... Ha! Found you. How? you left to find my tablet on. Get wall-to-wall Wi-Fi on the Xfinity 10G network. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. We're talking about the ongoing protests in Iran. We're still joined by a student who's joining us by phone from inside the country. We're also joined by Persis Karim, a poet, essayist, and director for the Center of for Iranian Diaspora Studies at San Francisco State. Welcome. Thank you for joining us, Persis. Thank you so much for having me. We're also joined by Shakayek Sirus, an artist here in the area. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. And we have Hoda Katebi, an Iranian-American writer and community organizer. Welcome, Hoda. 
Hello. Thank you so much for having me. You know, Hoda, I want to start with you. You know, we were just hearing from this student in Iran. Uh, you're also a young person. How how does it feel to just hear about what's happening on the on the ground? Um, it's very exciting. Uh, absolutely terrified and scared on behalf of all of the incredibly brave, especially young women on the front lines, um, just like our unnamed guest. Um, I think that really this has been a really exciting time, really inspiring time. And I think that um, Iranians and non-Iranians around the world have so much um, to look at in, in terms of what's happening on the ground in order to draw inspiration to fight against state violence. Mm-hmm. Persis, you know, we know that the sort of proximate cause, like the match for this, was the death of Masa Amini while in custody of the morality police in Iran. But obviously these protests didn't come out of nowhere. This is This is a very long movement fighting against regime. Can you give people some of that context? Sure. Um, I just want to say this morning I had a text exchange with my cousin in Iran and um, echoing what the caller from Iran said, um, she told me that she felt a palpable shift. And this is what she said. Before we would shout, don't be afraid. We are in this together. Now, she says, people are shouting, be afraid. We are all together. So, um, and that's a cousin who experienced the 1979 revolution as a young woman at the age of 17 and was in protests against the mandatory hijab um, at the time. And so she has the long view. And Mm -hmm. as do I, I came of age in 1979. And one of the things that I think is really important for listeners to know is that the The death of Masa Amini is just one of many deaths at the hands of state violence in Iran. And the protests against gender, what people are calling gender apartheid in Iran, has been going on for since the beginning of the establishment of the Islamic Republic. But I would like to point out that in 2006, there was a very important movement called the One Million Signatures Campaign which was an effort to reform uh, the basically gender discriminatory laws around child custody, divorce. Um, and those attempts have been foiled by state violence, by attempts to arrest some of the dissidents, some of the lawyers who have defended dissidents, and of course, journalists who have been covering it. Mm-hmm. So it's been a wholesale kind of undermining of people's ability to participate in civic reform inside of Iran. So how we got to this place in some ways is a result of earlier moments when people rose up, either in street protests, but also in very, um, you know, mundane ways, trying to hold conferences, trying to have petitions, trying to organize meetings. That's why social media is so important right now, because people don't have access to meeting spaces and because so much of the infrastructure of civic life has been controlled by state um, Mm -hmm. actors. So we want to make sure that we identify the importance of Masa Amini's death at the hands of the morality police, but also to identify the much longer struggle of women in Iran 
to fight for women's rights and what I would argue human rights um, mm -hmm. going back to, as I said, 2006 and then 2009, of course, the green Green Revolution, Green Moment, um, when people were protesting uh, the election of Mahmoud Ahmadinejad, and then more recently, 2017, and then 2019, when the, there was the first big shutdown of the internet, when people were protesting against the exorbitant uh, price of fuel in December 2019. So. Part of what people are expressing is a long frustration with their inability to have their demands met around human rights and women's rights, but also a, a frustration with uh, the way that they have been met when they have tried to engage. You know, just following up, you, you've mentioned potential reforms to some of these gender discriminatory laws, you know, I guess what would be an easing of this gender apartheid but that doesn't seem to be the goal of these protests, is it? Or, or is it, do you think? Uh, I think that moment has passed. Um, I think the problem is, is that so many of the women who led those earlier movements have been jailed. Um, you may have heard of Nasreen Soutoudeh. She was a human rights lawyer who de defended many dissidents, including some of the women who were part of the One Million Signatures campaign. And she's still in prison um, and recently, you know, was in a hunger strike. Um, Shireen Abadi, who was the Nobel Peace Prize winner in 2003, she was driven out of the country after the 2009 elections. So I think the moment for that kind of uh, reform may have already passed. People are beyond the point in which they can um, expect anything but the state to meet their uh, demands with violence, aggression, and suppression. Shaki yeah. Xerous, uh, there have been protests in the Bay Area in support of what's happening in Iran. For you, what's it been like to see solidarity in this transnational way? Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, this time, um, after after I'll also say that uh, I came after the Green Movement. So um, since 2011 that I moved to the Bay Area, um, we I mean, I, I witnessed a lot of uh, protests also from my generation who came after the uh, Green Movement 2009. Mm -hmm. um, but this time I have to say it's, um, it's very optimistic and hopeful because um, people in our community, regardless of any political views or any backgrounds, they are actually um, standing up um, for people and they are being the voice for people in Iran. So it's, um, and also like other people for the first time are listening to what's going on in Iran because I know that uh, because of the political background that is happening in the Middle East and uh, also Iran specifically, uh, sometimes it gets confusing um, how they are receiving the information uh, due to propaganda that is happening. So um, it's really hopeful, actually, right now to see this. Yeah. Hoda, I wanted to ask you how people can support the rights of women in Iran to wear whatever they want without falling into Islamophobic tropes about hijab and dress. 
Yeah, I think this is a great question. Um, also, because I think that's precisely the rhetoric that the Iranian government is trying to push is that these protesters are against Islam, um, these protesters are anti-Muslim, um, when that's not at all the case. And we see actually the right wing in the United States or other places around the world um, echoing um, quite ironically the, the same rhetoric of the Iranian government. Um, when in fact, uh, just like the, the student mentioned, this is, um, this is about um, mandatory hijab, and this is about so much more. This is about women's rights broadly in Iran. This is about um, this is not just about the Gashi Ershad or the so-called morality police, but it's about the state. It's about state violence, um, and it's specifically um, right now. I think the hijab has become the center, like focus um, point and the symbol of this, as a symbol of the state. Um, and I think that's something that's extremely important is that context is key. Um, an Iranian woman burning a, a headscarf in the streets of Iran in which it has been mandated is burning a symbol of a state and it's burning the symbol of state control, um, which is very different than, for example, someone in the French government burning a hijab while banning it in schools. So I think that distinction is very important. and and. Um, as this is a radio show, I feel very inclined to mention that I do wear the hijab myself. I've been wearing it by choice in the United States here um, most of my life. And I and I I think and I'm you know very Muslim, it's central to my identity. And so being able to distinguish this is important. Um, not only I think not to alienate the, the millions of Muslims who are in solidarity, um, Iranian and not Iranian, um, on the ground with those who are on the ground, the Muslims. Um, those who are wearing the hijab and not wearing the hijab, who are protesting alongside each other in Iran. Um, and it, I think it really goes to show that this is, this is about state power. This is about um, patriarchy. This is about um, control of bodies and particularly control of women's bodies. Um, and I think that allows, and the demands that I think are being made, such as Zanzindigi Azadi, um, as you know, originally was the Kurdish slogan, uh, that demands that women, life, and freedom are at the forefront of a systemic demand for change and um, that progress does not have a gender delay. So these demands, I think, also speak to the broadness of this demand um, and really ties the issues of autonomy over body with everything um, that Dr. Farsi has also mentioned before of uh, just you know, family law, gender um, and policy more broadly, workers' rights, economic justice, um, everything in between. Yeah. Wanna go to our student in Iran on the distinction that Hoda is making between sort of the hijab as kind of a symbol of the state versus its religious uh, connotations. How, how do you feel uh, about it? Uh, well, mm, before they shut down the internet, I was uh, on the social media, especially on Twitter, and um, I read some comments from uh, Muslims from other countries, especially Western especially with uh, Westerners, and uh, they were like, that's kind of be offensive to us, burning hijab. But uh, all I was telling them that uh, this is a symbol of um, oppression for us. And especially, I want to uh, say this one, uh, do you know even uh, Muslim women from um, other countries, from United States, if they come to Iran, maybe the morality police will arrest them too, because uh, their hijab is not proper enough in their eyes. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. They have a very strict dress code. You can't just go out with, um, you know, 
hiding your all of your hair but showing your neck or having a very uh, short dress. And that's not enough for them to just having a headscarf. So um, this is not just about um, Islam or Muslims. This is their Islam. You know what I mean? They are talking about their kind of Islam. This is uh, Islam. And uh, whatever um, else is not the true Islam. You know, we were hearing earlier from Persis about the earlier movements that have preceded this particular moment. What do you think that your generation of protesters learned about, like, from those earlier big movements? I think uh, our generation and um, maybe even younger generation are more brave, and um, they don't. They they want. They really want freedom, and they have more access to the internet. They know how the wor- how the world works, and um, you know we are all like. Um, I think because in the past movements, in the past protests, uh, there were some politicians in Iran that uh, they were like, "Yeah, we're gonna make it uh, fine. That's fine. You can protest, but we're gonna do it uh, fine." But now there is no politician to support us. So uh, now the thing what we want is. The regime change and nothing fewer than uh, can, you know. Um, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no. no. Uh, yeah, and um, I think our generation is more brave and more to the point. We they are speaking in the streets more to the point. Uh, you know, they are they aren't like okay, respect uh, other people. Um, it's um, maybe they won't, they will feel they will uh, feel uh, bad about our protest. No, they're like that's enough. Enough is enough. And now we're out. And um, to be honest, I now hearing uh, shouts and chants from the streets right now. <laughs> and if I could add something, uh, sure. My cousin was saying, you know, she's never seen as many men beside women. Um, on this issue. And I think that's the palpable shift that she's talking about, mm-hmm. is that men have started to see the their own freedoms come at the cost of women's freedoms, um, and that the situation in Iran affects everybody. And if you think about women, how a society treats women is an indicator of so much in a society. And I think that's uh, you know, the, the sort of pressure point has been reached where young people, whether they're women or men, are fed up. They're fed up with the lack of hope. They're, hope, they're fed up with the lack of change. And they're fed up with the lack of opportunities. And I think that's where the situation in Iran is complicated by also economic questions um, that are the result of sanctions, corruption inside of Iran, and the inability for young people to see a future um, as, as it is right now. You, Dr. Persis, do you want the U.S. to change its sanctions policies? Like, what do you want the U.S. to do on that foreign policy level? Well, you know, I think one of the important things to recognize is that Iran uses this anti-Western, you know, it, it identifies what's happening internally with its political problems with the Iranian people always 
as it's connected to the West, right? The dynamic of U.S. and Iran relations figures largely. I think it's very important to point out that sanctions are hurting everyday Iranians more than anybody else. And it is, in, I mean, the, the, the Biden administration um, gave a little relief around sanctions for the sake of internet access. However, most of the problems are still there. Um, people can't, you know, easily buy a VPN to get around the, the closure of the internet um, because of the sanctions. So I think the sanctions are a, a secondary issue right now, but I think they're important to point out that we didn't get here also without the question of the bigger problems between the U.S. and the United States. Um, I think that sanctions relief is something that would uh, assist people economically, but I think it's also being used as a tool to pressure the Iranian government, particularly around the Iran nuclear deal. And I think that's a, a secondary question, and I don't want to hijack the conversation because I think what the young woman in Iran is pointing out is the immediacy of the human rights situation. And it's important to also point out that right now there is an effort to restart the JPCOA, the Iran nuclear deal. Mm -hmm. and um, Which the Trump administration pulled out. Yes, the Trump administration pulled out. And um, many people hope that if this uh, uh, is going to be restarted, that the question of human rights should be very much a part of the conversation. We are talking about protests in Iran. We're joined by a student joining us by phone uh, from Iran who we're not using her name to protect her safety. Also joined by Persis Karim, a poet, essayist, and director for the Center for Iranian Diaspora Studies at San Francisco State. Shoki Aksirus, Iranian multimedia artist. Her work, a collaboration with the Iranian American Women's Foundation, was recently displayed on the Salesforce Tower, if you saw that. We're also joined by Hoda Katebi, an Iranian-American writer, and community organizer. We're going to get to a bunch of your calls. We have a bunch of people waiting on the phone lines, but we do want to hear from you. Maybe try Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or the email forum at kqed.org. Tell us if you're finding hope in this situation, if you're part of the Iranian diaspora. I'm Alexis Madrigal. This is Forum. Stay tuned for more after this break. This is Barbara Leslie, president of the Oakland Port Commission. Oakland International Airport, OAK, is proud to bring you this podcast of KQED's Forum. When you're choosing your next adventure, the smart and convenient choice is to fly the East Bay Way from OAK to destinations across the USA and Mexico. And when you return home, tune in to KQED, always bringing us remarkable stories about who we are and where we live. Enjoy today's episode of Forum. I'm what you might call very good at hide-and-seek. And since we got Xfinity, we have Wi-Fi all over the house, even in my super-secret hiding spots. So I can kill time in here by streaming my favorite... Ha! Found ya. How? You left to find my tablet on. Get wall-to-wall Wi-Fi on the Xfinity 10G network. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. We're talking about the ongoing protests in Iran. And I want to go straight to the phones. Let's bring in Bahar in San Francisco. Hi. Hi, welcome. Go ahead. Tell us your story. Well, um, you know about Iran. There's not much to talk about what's happening in Iran right now. 
Um, I just called because uh, my parents, my aunts, my cousins and uh, friends of them, they all go on the streets and they all tell me all the horrifying stories that we don't even hear uh, on the news. There are a lot more than what we hear in the news. And um, my my aunt works in a, in a hospital and she, she told me that all the, you know, really horrifying news, the, the patients that come to the hospital with the security guards and they don't let anyone to know mm-hmm. about those those people. So the people on the streets, they're killing people and it's much more than uh, what we hear in the news. Um, the the reason that I say I wanted to just uh, call and then have a louder voice is because, you know, I see all these ambulances that the security guard uses to transport mm-hmm. their uh, forces and they arrest protesters with that and they transfer them with that and I'm just like I don't know like how can this happen like mm-hmm. how could they be this cruel to to do this and you know like there are because of this there's really no ambulances for the actual people who need mm-hmm. urgent care for the protesters on the street who get shot and you know it's 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 more than this you know people we are trying to to shout to just you know if if you have any iranian on social media you'll see how many posts and histories and you know like we we are trying here because people in iran they don't have internet because we don't know what else we can do mm-hmm. and you know what like there there is there is the sanctions that um that all the other countries are are having against Iran, and we saw that there are some, you know, some uh, release of pressure. Like we, we saw some news that you know the government of of the United States let uh, you know Elon Musk. It was very viral on Twitter that they are like, yeah, go ahead, provide internet for Iran, but it's yeah. like all the sanctions that are against Iran, like really like how yeah. can they help if, if they, if they provide more pressure on people in Iran, they're not really useful. Like I think the world needs to really help and think about how they can help people in Iran. Yeah. And hey. you know, we hear, yeah, sorry. No, oh, no, I, I, I understand. Uh, Bahar, thank you so much. I just wanted to ask, Hoda Katebi about some of the things uh, that you were saying. I mean, there is this incredibly real application of state violence. So how are you kind of balancing the fear of that and fear for protesters with sort of the hopeful nature of what it is that they're doing? Thank you, Bahar. Yeah, thank you. And thanks so much for all of your words, Bahar Jun. Um, yeah, we, so many of us are feeling so many of the same things. And it's really um, it's its its own unique type of pain to also be watching these videos and, you know, um, from diaspora and then, you know, sending messages on WhatsApp only to see all of them have one check. So like they haven't been received and you realize that the internet um, or certain apps have been censored. So 
I, um, I hear you and this is a really intense moment and your feelings are shared by so many of us. So yeah. I, I appreciate your words. I think something that um, keeps me really grounded um, is that like as, as terrifying as things are, as scary as they are, all of my friends, all of my friends who are activists, you know, who have been banned from working for like 10 years. Um, the last time I was in Iran, everyone just had so much uh, depression and everything seemed so hopeless. But I think, um, as also the student mentioned herself as well too, there's there's a shift in this moment. And I think that um, there's, there is so much, there's so much to be excited about and hopeful about and inspired about. I mean, I think um, as, as an organizer that I think also organizes in the United States and sees a lot of this in a different way, of course, but I think for, like I've, I've learned that like, even if the, the ultimate demand is not achieved, um, there is success just in the ways in which um, Iranian women have been able to experience freedom in the streets, mm. um, you know, being able to uh, chant things like death to the all oppressors, whether it's the king or the leader. And so things like that, that are, that are momentous moments for Iranians to be able to feel um, agency over their lives um, in Iran. And I, and I think um, just seeing the intersectionality of these protests is also really inspiring. Um, and especially for a community like ours that I think has so many, um, so many challenges, especially in the diaspora to be unified. I think what we're seeing in Iran is something totally different. We are seeing such a beautifully unified, um, for the most part, sort of um, opposition where Workers are coming together, um, students are on strike, teachers are quitting. Um, this is really like a, a really momentous occasion. And I actually find a lot of hope and optimism in just seeing um, young, like Gen Z kids on the streets, like mm -hmm. just, you know, getting things, I'm trying not to curse, <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> messing things up <laughs> in like a very positive way. And and so I, I do think that this, um, as Ruth Wilson Gilmore um, says, who's a, you know, a, a black writer and activist in the United States, she says that, uh, revolution comes in waves, right? So this is all a moment, this is a practice and an opportunity. And it's, these moments will never be lost. And I think the what we can learn from this and the experiences that come from this only allow us to build further and further, more unified, um, you know, and, and really, I think, continue to move forward in a way that is as uh, unlike anything that we've seen in Iran yeah. before. Let's bring in another caller. Thank you for those thoughts. Uh, Huma in Mountain View, welcome. Hello. Uh, thank you for your speakers. Thank you for this program. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, we sure can. Go ahead. Okay. Um, so I've, I'm of an age that I've kind of gone through um, a few, um, I'd say, generations. Um, my grandmother was alive when Reza Shah had the coup um, and came to power. And the first thing he did was remove women's headscarves in public he had this law that you must not wear headscarf in public and this is huge change this is the father of the shock that the revolution overthrew mm -hmm. um, and that was to take power away from religion uh, and religion people. It wasn't about women. It was about how women represent power in that country and many other countries. And that's the piece that I look at that right now, the women are resilient humans, um, Americans. 
realize that. I do have to say I live in the Bay Area. I've been here for 40-plus years. And the men, women, families in Iran are absolutely resilient. I was there just a few months ago after 40 years. I went back, I came 77, went back 83 during the Iraq war, and then went back again just a few months ago. Women have been resilient, resilient and fighting this regime from day one. They've never stopped. I look at women in the streets, I look at them, and it's like they wear bright red lipsticks. They wear nail polish. It's like, fine, I'll put this thing on my head, but you can't control my face. Um, it's, it's inspiring in so many ways, but at the same time, it is incredibly controlled environment, um, cameras everywhere, and it is set up in a way that you cannot escape surveillance. It is worse than China. So revolution in ways, perhaps, but certainly evolution has been taking place for decades. Yeah. And it is really, the backbone of it has been the Iranian women, and mm-hmm. so many Iranian men have been right there, shoulder to shoulder, right behind them. Yeah. Huma, thank you. I am so glad to say that Iranian women are not oppressed. The government oppresses the entire population. Huma, thank you so much for your comment. I wanted to come to you, Shokiyak Zarus, just about the the different ways that this current movement is playing for different generations with their own experiences of uh, of Iran. Um, yeah, I mean, um, it's, it's really amazing that I personally experienced Green Movement when in 2009, actually, and um, how everything shifted from since then. Um, the new generation, as uh, the girl from the um, Tehran was uh, speaking also, they are so uh, brave. And it's, um, I, was just, I was just talking to um, my friends from our generation who came from Iran, who came from Iran um, to the States after the Green Movement and how we were trying to kind of like, um, you know, uh, go to the protests or like fight. Uh, for our rights um, and how um, we were also like had a lot of fears and um, how we were pushing the limits a little bit but now uh, seeing all the new um, generation just like be so brave and um, go inside and you know um, inside the protest and just demand what they want it's um, it's just so amazing to witness and one of the things that I, I, I think we can do um, I, I still have my family in Iran and uh, I still uh, have a lot of friends in Iran and the little time that they actually have internet to come and speak um, the only thing they ask is just like be the voice so um, the voice is not you know uh, being muted because that's actually why that's why actually the government I, um, you know um, take the internet out or like uh, they shut down the internet or like they don't want the voice to come out. So that's really important um, for people outside to kind of like notice that how it's important to be the voice. Yeah. But um, one and also like how um, 
we can educate because we come from so many different generations that we experience actually Iran in so many different ways. Yeah. Uh, depends on what time and uh, you know which era we are coming from. So it's really important to do storytelling and um, well, yeah. Hold just, that thought for like one share, for one second. Yeah. This this is a fundraising period for KQED Public Radio. And for more information about how to support KQED, go to kqed.org. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Shogek, I did want you to kind of finish that thought, mm-hmm. in, in particular about how you feel the sort of culture making and art that you do has a kind of influence in in being helping be that voice for Iranian women. I mean, as an artist, I think it's uh, it's really important to just uh, because I feel like art can uh, be a tool to bring uh, awareness and also like create action. Um, that's one of the things that I start doing because I am also like having a social practice background in uh, art and one of the things that uh, we realized e- even like when I was in uh, Iran in green movement time um, how how much you know like the the posters the the way that we are actually using art how we are uh, kind of like going beyond what is the news and propaganda and how we are kind of like sharing that news and stories and demanding from the uh, government. I think um, art can be a great tool and um, the way that all artists come together to to kind of like come up with an idea to how um, easier we can, you know, um, share that um, news. It's uh, it's really important yeah. uh, in my opinion and how actually past years uh, this has been a um, tool also like whether it's a mural or it's like bringing people to do performances or anything like that. It's kind of like spreading the word easier. Let's go back to the phones. Uh, Saida in San Jose, welcome. Hey, Saeed, can you hear me? Uh, all right, I'm going to put you back on hold and let's go to uh, Paymon in uh, San Jose. Good morning. Good morning. So uh, I, initially when I called, I just wanted to ask for support from all the Americans around me. But as I was listening to people, uh, one thing that I realized is that the history of how we got here is one of the things that a lot of non-Iranians are not aware. And that is something that I think I wanted to emphasize here, that the movement for change, the movement for reform has been happening since the start of the revolution. At the start of the Iranian revolution, it wasn't as much Islamic as it is right now. It, was, it had a lot of left-leaning support mm-hmm. that was very quickly executed back in the 80s. And there was a lot of people who were more towards uh, secular governments that, again, all of them were executed or, like, there are mass killings that happened during the 80s that are in support of that. Back in the 2000s, the Green Movement, as Shagayr earlier said, this was a reformist movement. The whole idea behind it was to change the government from inside. So gradual, incremental improvements in many aspects, in economy, in social rights, in women's rights, in many aspects. But that, again, was brutally oppressed. And back in the 2020, back in 2021, each wave of the uh, of the protests that come along, they have different goals. But the thing about them is that, you know, like, for example, back in the 2020, it was more economy or a lot of these. People are all of, all of people are in this together. This is not just mm-hmm. about one topic. 
right now, if you go ask the people in Iran, uh, hey, if we remove the mandatory hijab laws, are you going to go back home and be fine with the government? That's not going to happen. If you say, hey, we're going to remove the so-called morality police, are you guys going to be okay? That's not going to happen because this is not a single-issue revolution. No revolution is a single-issue topic. <laughs> and while this is absolutely true that the main figures in this one are women, this is a feminist movement, this is not uh, something that you can And I think this one is more targeted towards uh, people who don't know that the women in Iran and men besides them have been fighting for these rights for more than 40 years. Yeah. So this is not something that can be squished with very easily. Thank you so much for that history. That was uh, that was amazing, Paymon, in San Jose. You know, I wanted to end our show going back to our student who's joining us by phone from Iran. What do you want people to know just in our last second here about what's happening there? Uh, I just want to say if you don't see any pictures, any videos from us anymore, if you didn't hear from us anymore, don't think that we are giving up. We will fight. We will continue fighting. Thank you so much. We've been talking about the ongoing protests for women's rights in Iran with a student who's been joining us. We're not using her name to protect her safety. Persis Karim, poet, essayist, and director for the Center for Iranian Diaspora Studies at San Francisco State University. Shokli Xerous, an Iranian multimedia artist. Her work, a collaboration with the Iranian American Women's Foundation, was recently displayed on the Salesforce Tower. And Hoda Katebi, an Iranian American writer and community organizer. We could have kept going on this for two more hours. Thank you so much to all of our callers as well as to our guests. My name is Alexis Madrigal. This is Forum. Thanks for joining us. Funds for the production of Forum are provided by the members of KQED Public Radio, the Germanicos Foundation, the Generosity Foundation, the Heising Simons Foundation, and the Bernard Osher Foundation, supporting higher education and the arts. This is Barbara Leslie, president of the Oakland Port Commission. Oakland International Airport, OAK, is proud to bring you this podcast of KQED's Forum. When you're choosing your next adventure, The smart and convenient choice is to fly the East Bay Way from OAK to destinations across the USA and Mexico. And when you return home, tune in to KQED, always bringing us remarkable stories about who we are and where we live. Enjoy today's episode of Forum. I'm what you might call very good at hide-and-seek. And since we got Xfinity, we have Wi-Fi all over the house, even in my super secret hiding spots. So I can kill time in here by streaming my favorite... Ha! Found ya. How? You left to find my tablet on. Get wall-to-wall Wi-Fi on the Xfinity 10G network. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Hey, John Favreau here. There's no shortage of political takes in 2024, but quantity doesn't cut it. 
We need a better conversation about the latest biggest election of our lives. On Pod Save America, me and my co-host cut through the noise to help you figure out what matters and how you can help. Every Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday, Pod Save America is breaking down the political news that makes us laugh, cry, and snap our laptops in half. Expensive year for laptops. Make sure to check out new episodes of Pod Save America on your favorite podcast platform or our YouTube channel now.